actually preach today on the message that my friend Judeth, he lived and preached all the time. So I hope I get to, I doubt it, I don't think about the time often. a little context, I moved to Haiti, well, the first time I went to Haiti was the end of 2012. I had been living in Brazil, and, and um, they were taking a trip there, and I felt like God told me to go with them, because we built some churches, and we went, and that's where God told me that I'd be going back here and living there, so that was like October 2012, and in March of 2013, I was back there to live, um, and I worked at an orphanage to start and lived there for a while. I was learning the language and was Haitian-run. So I was the only white person there. And um, about a couple months in, it was very lonely, like a very difficult time. My relationship with God grew a lot. My friendship with God, because when you're in a very lonely place, no one else speaks your language, no one else knows your culture, you draw into this or you could do either or either you run from that spot or you draw into God as friend and as one who understands you and the one who you can speak with and that thankfully that's by his grace what I did Um, pushed into relationship with him but there were still you know times of great loneliness wanting friendship a lot of the Haitians that I knew it was really difficult to understand them their culture was very different to me I didn't understand it the way they communicated, related to one another. And even Haitian Christians, some that I had met, were um, kind of what we were saying even earlier, very tradition, bound by religion, um, in this very, like, systematic way of approaching God. And I had a couple of friends, but it was like I didn't relate to them. We weren't, you know, when you have a friend, you're like, same heart. And in mid 2013, I was asked to translate for a Norwegian. God had given me the language very quickly, and I was asked to translate for a Norwegian team that was coming in. And um, just so happened that this young man, Judith, the Haitian man, was also asked to translate for them. And so we were working with a Brazilian organization in Haiti, and he and I, he spoke English, Portuguese, Creole, and I spoke English, Portuguese, Creole. And we were translating for them from Portuguese to English, English to Creole, whatever. And um, the first time that I met him, I had come in. I had been home for like a month and come back. And um, we were taking a trip to the south of the country with this Norwegian team. And it was where Judith was from. And we're in this pickup truck, a lot like yours, like the same thing, packed to the max in the back. And there was like two people sitting inside. There was like seven of us. So there were four or five of us in the back of the pickup truck for a 12-hour drive across country to the south. And it was about 100, over 100 degrees, you know, dust everywhere. And it's bumpy. And I'm sitting in the back. And Judex is there and a couple of the other Norwegians. And we're having a blast. Like, uh, just grace of God, we're laughing and all this stuff. And first thing I remember Judex saying, oh, you know, there's so much joy here. And he said, this, you know, Holy Spirit's here because that is, when there's joy, 
the Holy Spirit was in the midst of it, and I just remember being like, oh, this guy's going to be my friend. Like, finally, God's given me a like-hearted friend in Haiti. And he constantly is talking about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and the authority that we have. And we went to the south, and one of the first nights we he took us into the village, into the uh, woods at night, like kind of jungle-ish, and we arrive at this hut in the middle of the night, and um, there was a man there, and he had been bedridden for 16 months. He couldn't move his body at all, and um, it had been some voodoo thing. They didn't know what happened. He had been working out in the fields, and all of a sudden, he collapsed and couldn't get up at all for 16 months. And they had seen doctors and all this stuff, very poor part of the country, too. So we decided to start praying, and the Norwegian team did not believe that God is a God who heals. They were very from a very traditional background, so they're just kind of standing there praying. But And Judex and I are just really, like, commanding and all this stuff. And the guy starts to say, oh, my pain's moving. And it was moving, moving, moving down, down, down his body until it was at his feet. And then took authority over the spirit of infirmity, and the thing left. And all of a sudden, the guy, Judex, went out of his wheel, and he starts moving around, and he sits right up, gets out of bed, and starts jumping up and down, throwing on clothes and saying, I need to go to the church to tell them that God just healed me. And it's the middle of the night, but they were having a service there, and I'm just bawling, and we're all rejoicing, shouting. His whole family is jumping up and down, and it felt like heaven had just come to that place. And the first time I had seen a healing like that, um, to that extent, and then immediately people had heard about it, his neighbors, and we were being brought from house to house to all the sick. And we did that for a couple hours, just laying hands on the sick and seeing them healed. God was healing people left and right. And um, that started my friendship with Judex. And when we had gotten back to Port-au-Prince, we ended up, I'm like, this guy is going to, you know, he has the same heart. He'll go wherever I go. I'm sure of it. And in Haiti, you need some protecting. So I really felt like God gave him for that reason as well. And we ended up going to the streets, to the women who prostitute themselves in some of the darkest places that are hidden in Haiti where they have brothel shacks and so many memories. We went out, gave them gifts, and had birthday parties for them, and invited them over. And then we went to, you know, the the drug addict places where they're selling drugs and all that stuff to preach the gospel. And um, he was just a friend, a friend like that. And the message that sometimes it was it's funny now, not funny, but funny in the sense that I sometimes got annoyed that he always preached the same message and I'm like okay come on you need to get a different message like do you not receive anything fresh from God Um, but it was more that I believe that he had a message for his life from God that he was meant to preach and he preached it faithfully for the years that God gave him and he was very rejected in this country a lot, actually, because of his faith. And people put him down because he always wanted to pray healing for people. He always wanted to lay hands and, and uh, command healing. And it didn't always happen. And people put him down for it. And, you know, faith being tested by that. Um, but I'm going to preach the message that he preached his whole life or the time that God gave him. And um, 
And it's about the kingdom of heaven being here and being now in us and through us. And so just in honor of him. But what was the gospel that Jesus preached? And this always hit me when I begin to think about what message he was preaching. I thought that Jesus came and he preached the good news. How could he preach the good news if he hadn't died yet? And that was always my question. Like, what good news was he preaching? Because in the New Testament, in the letters, and from the book of Acts on, they preached the good news and included Jesus coming, dying, resurrecting, so that we can have new life. But Jesus was preaching the good news, and that was the basis for it. And so what was it that he preached? In Matthew 4, 23 through 25. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, saying the kingdom of God is here now. It has arrived. Who did it arrive to? Him. You know, he had come. God became man, came to earth. Kingdom of God is now here in the earth. And he knew that his death was going to finalize this old age and bring us into this new covenant by his blood. But he was able to preach this kingdom. What's a kingdom? And this is just a dictionary definition. A state or government having a king or queen as its head. There are two kingdoms in the earth, and that's what the New Testament teaches us. There's, there are, um, there's the kingdom of the enemy or his dominion, wherever he doesn't have any dominion, but that's the kingdom of darkness. There is the kingdom of light. And then there's even the natural governing bodies in the earth, right? But what do we have? We are in a new kingdom. We're of the kingdom of light. So if a kingdom has a king in that governing body, in a kingdom, what is it? There's a law for that kingdom. And anyone who's part of that kingdom now becomes under that law, right? They don't, they don't adhere to uh, the other laws. They are part of this kingdom, so they adhere to the laws of that kingdom and the laws of their king, the laws of the government of that kingdom. What's government? a branch or service of the supreme authority of a state or nation. It's direction, control, management, and rule. And even in the New Testament, Peter says, you are a, a, a nation unto God, a holy priesthood, God's holy people, his nation, this kingdom. You are part of this kingdom. You are under a different rule under a different place of control, and you don't function as the world functions over in the kingdom of darkness, you have this authority now in uh, as part of the kingdom of God. Authority is the power to determine or to settle issues or disputes. Jurisdiction, to the right to control, 
control, command, or determine. It's persons having legal power to make and enforce the law. We've been given authority. We are now persons having legal power by the blood of Jesus to make and enforce the law of this new kingdom that's come in the earth. Now this has, we need a lot of revelation of our identity in order, in order to function in this way. Because I think a lot of times we don't function in this way because we don't understand our identity. We don't understand the, the uh, implications of being in a different kingdom and under a different authority. I no longer have to function under this old authority. I'm under a new authority with a new law. And now what is that law? That means that sickness is healed in the name of Jesus. That was the result. He preached the kingdom and what was the fruit of the kingdom. In Matthew 11, John the Baptist, his disciples come and they're asking, are you, John has sent us, he was in prison. John has sent us to Jesus and he wants to know, are you the expected one or shall we look for someone else? That Jesus answered and said, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to him, to them. This is the gospel of the kingdom that was to come. This is the good news that we are under this new authority, this new law, where someone's sick and we say, no, that sickness was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Be healed in the name of Jesus. That's the new authority. That's the new law that we live under and that we must function at under. And the only way that we can get there, John 3, 5. There's a lot of scriptures to this. You guys could speak for an hour and a half on this, and I'm condensing it to 20 minutes. I wish he was here to preach it to you. John 3, 5. Truly, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So there's this place where we we're born again and we're born of the spirit. Everyone in here today, we have been born of the spirit through Jesus. So now we are part by law. And if we truly believe that Jesus is king God over all the earth, highest authority, then he's saying you have been bought out of this place you are born of the Spirit, and now you live in this kingdom where there's a new law and a new ruler. He's always been the ruler, but now he's won it back full, all authority, right? Philippians 2 says that he went to the lowest place so that he would be exalted to the highest place, ruling and reigning over all creation once again, full dominion. He won back what we lost, what we gave up, full communion with the Father, access to this power, to this authority. Now the spirit of the living God lives within us, and we function. We must function. We need to function from that place of living power. And I think um, it's a hard place. I remember, you know, we saw all those signs and wonders but then we kept, you know, he and I would go out and we'd pray for lots of people, tons of people being get healed. 
and then that could get very wearing of like okay well why isn't why isn't it happening you know those doubts and unbeliefs what what's happening why aren't we seeing it blah 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 and that can discourage your your faith or your belief in or even your your desire to step out you know what i mean you're like eh, i'm not really seeing it so i don't really have this desire cuz when you're seeing it all the time you're like whoa i just want to pray over everybody cuz i i know it's going to happen when it comes but then there's the testing of our faith when we don't see something immediately where there's a waiting in between and that's where we need this assurance that no i've been bought into this new kingdom there is a lot it will happen whether i see it right this second or whether i never see the answer to that whether i hear about it or not in this life or not i believe that he is the king and he has given me this authority therefore i function out of this place of identity and sonship and i don't care what the results are i'm bringing that kingdom with me to the earth how did jesus do that he did it by preaching the gospel to people he did it by the signs and wonders that came he said i'm bringing the kingdom i'm going to let you see the invisible right now i'm going to make the invisible visible right before your eyes and that is what we should walk after that was what was modeled for us jesus living as the perfect son of god in his identity fullness of identity he walked in this confidence saying i'm bringing the kingdom and so this is the demonstration of the kingdom and power right now paul even said it i didn't come to you with fancy words but i came to you with demonstration of the spirit and of power signs wonders miracles a different kingdom why aren't we living that and i think a lot of the reason why we're not living it is because we have lost our confidence we don't have revelation of it we've grown timid filled with doubt unbelief fear of rejection fear of what people are thinking we've been so bogged down that we're still living under this as if we're under this old kingdom this old law of bondage when we've been brought into a new kingdom that is freedom and it's incredible when you go out and you have the mindset, oh, I'm carrying the kingdom. I'm carrying the kingdom. When I walk into a place, the kingdom of God is here. That's what Jesus was saying. He said, you don't know the kingdom of God is near to you, like near like how close I am to you because I, I carry the kingdom because of the spirit of God that lives within. In Matthew 10, Starting in verse 1. And again, this is all before Jesus died. This is what he was doing. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Why, how was he able to give that kind of authority? He hadn't died yet. He hadn't prayed for sicknesses on the cross yet. But he gave authority to heal every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. Why? 
because he is coming with the kingdom of God. Also, scripture says that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the earth. So there's also this idea of there's no time in the other realms. But he's bringing the kingdom here, and he was given all authority. And so, therefore, he gives us all the authority to cast out every unclean spirits, demons, and to heal every form of sickness. Verses 5 through 8. These 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them. Do not go to the way of the Gentiles. Rather, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And in the same way, we have freely received of this sonship, of this adoption into this new family, the kingdom of God. And that we carry that wherever we go. What happened? Well, they all went out. And then they come back and they are so excited about everything that happened. And Jesus says to them, it's almost like he popped their bubble. But he said, I saw Satan falling from heaven. And you're excited that a simple little demon heeds your voice. This isn't. Be excited that the kingdom of God is here, that he has come. And that's the reason, is that we carry that. We must carry it. We must carry it into our families. We must carry it into our workplaces. We must be the ones that release it wherever we go, where you're preaching the gospel without fear, with power and demonstration of the spirit. And if we're at a place where we say, well, I don't even, I don't know. I just, it's hard for me to even believe. You know, I get it here, but it hasn't dropped down here yet. Well, we need to ask God, God, give me revelation of my identity. Help me to understand. Because it's what we were designed for. It's what he died for. It's the reason why he came. And if that's the reason why he came, it is of utmost importance. That's why he came. He was preaching the gospel, preaching this kingdom, the good news. There's a different kingdom that has come, and you don't have to live in bondage anymore. You can come into this freedom from the captivity, and you can heal the sick. You can see the dead raised. You can preach the good news, the same good news wherever you go. I, King of kings, Lord of lords, creator of the universe, have given you power and authority. That we, we declare over Terry, no more cancer. Her body says, no more cancer. Why is that? That's nothing other than that Jesus came and provided access for us to release this kingdom that he came to release. And begin to proclaim this new kingdom that has arrived and that is still coming in its fullness. And it's a lot different than what we think. In Matthew 18, this is the verse I want to end with. There are so many scriptures. I mean, there could have been 50, 75 scriptures all about the kingdom of heaven, all that Jesus was teaching. But in Matthew 18, the disciples come to Jesus and say, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Right? 
And he called the child to himself and set him before them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of, he of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And in the, that same way, you know, when you, you, you start to see signs and wonders, even if you start to move in them, there can be such an area of pride of almost like puffed up, I did this. Especially if it happens a lot, it could be very because people, so we have the tendency as humans to exalt other humans. And they did that even with Jesus, and he was rightfully the son of God, and yet he still said, there's no one good except the Father. Why do you call me good? That they would see our good works and glorify who? God in heaven, not us. So the disciples, you know, they come with that human question, who's the greatest? You know, we're casting out demons. We're seeing the sick healed. Tell us who's going to be greatest. You know, I cast out ten demons today. He only did five. Does that make me greater than him? Do I have greater power than him? And Jesus, setting the example, calls a child who's innocent, who doesn't even think. Children don't even think in that way. They're not, you know, they don't even have grasp what it means as a young child to push to see, you know, who's better than the other or who's going to get more, whatever. They're innocent. They're just doing what they're doing. And that was one of the things in Haiti when we were teaching the kids that one of the orphanages I ran for a while, we were teaching them this reality. You are in this new kingdom. Look, and we went out every Tuesday to market day and we would pray for the sick. And this one little kid, he really got it. He was seven years old. But as a child, what did he do? There was a deaf man. And I'm thinking, damn it. Like, they're going <laughs> to now have this reason to doubt. Because I was already doubting that the guy was going to get healed before we even prayed for him. And I'm like, now I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to explain to them that sometimes it doesn't work. And, you know, we don't see it always. And my huge doubt, unbelief. So I call one of the kids forward, and he comes up, and he start Mokins is his name, and Mokins, you know, we had told him just that you don't need lengthy prayers, you just declare, and that's it. So he just went up, and he put his hands on the ear, and he said, be open in Jesus' name. The guy's ears opened up. He had been deaf since birth, freaking out, everybody around, freaking out, and Mokins just walks away, like doesn't even phase him about anything. She's healed, da, 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 da. and he goes off playing immediately, playing with the other kids. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, yes, this is what it looks like to look like a child, to become a child, where you say, oh, it wasn't anything I did. God told me to do it. He's the one that healed. I just did it. Like that was God who did that. And I'm not even. I don't even go to the place of thinking that it could have been me. Mokins, it wasn't even on his radar to think that he would get exalted for something like that. He was more interested in playing with his friends than having people want him to pray over them because he had just somehow healed somebody. That's what Jesus said. Become like this child who has simple faith, doesn't question it, sees it happen, and then walks away as if, well, well that was, should have, I mean, that's what I was told. She told us that that's what was going to happen. It happened. So, of course, I don't know. 
but we, we don't think those ways. And we need to be renewed in our minds where we come to a place of simple faith like a child. We become converted like child and we begin to walk in this authority, ushering in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, wherever, wherever we go. And that's not just in worship. I mean, there are times where we worship, right? And doesn't it feel like the kingdom of heaven has just come, like the presence of God so thick and you're like, anything is possible. I have such revelation, like he's here. Oh, my gosh. I've felt that before many times in my life. But we need the same thing when you're at the bank and you're saying someone comes in and says, I have a headache. And you don't say, I have ibuprofen. You say, oh, you do? Can I pray for you? I know the God who heals. There's authority for healing. Or you see someone walking with crutches in the street. And you say, you know what? I'm going to usher in the kingdom of God. I'm going to let there be a demonstration. If we say no to it, then we're stopping that, that demonstration. We're the ones who are hindering. It's not the enemy then that's hindering it. It's us. It's our unbelief. It's our fear. But when we say, no, I'm not, like, who cares? I'm going to go, and I'm going to pray for this person. If they get healed, glorify God. Then the glory will be given to God. If they don't get healed right away, they will s- there will still be this encounter where I preach the gospel to them. And the kingdom of God is then demonstrated, and I'm opening the door for the presence of God to be released in this place, in the spirit. And so we need that. And from this, we're just going to go straight into communion. We haven't had communion since we (laughs) came here. (laughs) It's been a while, but I thought so appropriate, too, for this message and for this time that we are remembering who Jesus is, who he came as, a man, to break the power of darkness in the earth, to crush, says he crushed the serpent's head. Wow, he crushed the serpent's head under his feet. And because of that, we have been brought in. I give this picture of him now ushering us into these kingdom gates, this new kingdom, and the gates are open, and we get rushed in, and we're like, freedom! We've lived under oppression. You think of other nations that live under oppression, oppressive governments, and it was like we were living under the most, like in Korea, North Korea, living under oppressive government that was bondage captivity and then all of a sudden we've been rushed into this place of freedom where the rule and the law is love kindness peace gentleness righteousness and the sick are healed and demons are cast out and there's no room we've been given all authority and we need revelation of this We need it. Then the Jews, Jesus is starting to talk about how he's the bread of life, right? And everybody's freaking out. 
how, what do you mean you're the bread of life? So he says, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can the man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. Now that sounds pretty morbid. And Jesus says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died, who, who eats this bread will live forever. He's talking of us partaking in who he is this suffering that he he passed through for our freedom, for our deliverance. And not only just for that on the personal level, but on this corporate level so that the church could now become this ruling and reigning body with him in the earth now, in the kingdom. And so as we eat of the bread, his body, and drink of the blood, the, the grape juice, his his blood, we're remembering God, you came in the form of a man to crush the head of our enemy and say that we have the victory. That we are victorious because of what you've done. And that we can usher this into wherever we go. And I just, Father, I pray today. I'm asking you, Father, that you would give us understanding even as we do this in remembrance of who you are. Do this in remembrance of what you've done for us, the way that you've ushered us into your new kingdom, under a new government, into a new authority as your sons and daughters, as we partake. Father, I pray that something would shift in the spirit in us and over us where there's doubt or unbelief or fear God, I pray that it would be broken supernaturally over us and that our minds and our hearts would shift. God, that we would come into alignment with your perfect ways and your perfect will, that the kingdom of heaven is here and that it would be the gospel that we begin to preach and live with our words and our actions. God, that our workplaces would be turned upside down because we begin to display the kingdom in a new way. That our families would be turned upside down because we begin to display the kingdom of God, the spirit of God in power and demonstration. Not just with fancy words. God, we're tired of fancy words. We want demonstration of the spirit and of power in our lives. And I pray it, God. I pray that it would break over us, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. The sacrifice that you've made for us. The blood that you shed for us. Your body that was bruised for us, broken for us. 
beaten for us. We thank you for it, Jesus. We give you glory and we rejoice in this great freedom that you've given to us. Father, I pray that this would be, even as Judex has fallen like a seed into the ground, your word says that unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it will not produce fruit. And I pray that this message that was so part of his life, God, that it would bear fruit in Haiti, that this would be the time, God, that there's breakthrough in the church, that his death would re result in much bearing of fruit in the church, in the country, God, and all over the world, wherever he preached the message, God, I pray that it would be multiplied and increased. Your word promises it, and we thank you for that word. Father, I thank you for your blood spilled out for us. Thank you for going to that place, Jesus, and for welcoming us in. We eat it, and we drink it, and we take part of who you are with great thankfulness in our hearts, gratefulness, joy, God. 